Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your flagship show for the week. My name is Cameron Bell. I'm standing in for your usual host, David Edgar, as David is currently on his way over to Switzerland uh, to take in tomorrow night's Champions League qualifying second tie against Servette of Geneva. Joining me uh, on this week's flagship is my very good friend all the way from Israel, Mr Andy Barnett. Andy, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing, Cammy? You all right? Well, do you know what, mate? I'm glad you've asked because I feel a lot better than I have done in recent times following Rangers, let me tell you, because I did walk out of Ibrox on Saturday afternoon with a, 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 a lighter spring in my step, I think it's fair to say. I was very pleased by what I saw and it's helped lift a little bit of the kind of doom and gloom I think we've felt in the last couple of games. How did you find it watching it from home? Listen, being honest, I, I don't think it was a particularly exciting game. The last the last ten fifteen minutes were were worth it. Uh, I think up until that point, it was very nervy, and you sensed that way. Even watching it on TV, the way that Ibrox can get. Listen, it's be, it's been getting like it was like that when we were kids as well, Cammy. Even during the nineties, we had some great times. If the if the team wasn't tuning a lot uh, by about sixty minutes, you sensed that growing, and especially in the last few years where we've been really cut with uh, with late goals against us that you, you had a, a bad feeling but I don't think we were ever really in danger it's, a lot of it's just that that emotion you know so as for the performance itself it was still loads and loads to work on it was not pretty at times but we show we show now that we certainly showed at the weekend that there's quality uh, first of all, at, in defence, you know, the, the, we have a, a centre-back pairing there that looked good and a goalkeeper that made a crucial save at a crucial point. And up front, that we did have different options that could change the game when needed. So, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. wasn't really that great viewing, but ultimately I came away thinking 4-0, clean sheet, 
we're getting better. It's a slow work in, in progress, but I think we will get there. Um, I just hope that by that point, we're still in, obviously, in, in, in European competition and not too far behind in the league. Well, it's interesting you talk about that because the manager in his post-match had said that it was a game of, of, of different phases, of different sections. And we'll come on to that in just a second. But I think, uh, you know, as we've, we've, we've said before in a, on, on the start of the season, obviously the bubble was burst of our pre-season giddiness and, and, and all of our hopes and expectations. And unfortunately, Kilmarnock, uh, you know, proved to, to go against what we thought was all going to happen. I think we saw progression against survey in terms of what we were trying to do. We're starting to get in there. And I think, and again, keen to know about your kind of thoughts of this, obviously watching from home, but I think that in the stadium, as we'd spoken about last week and we'd spoken about in our Patreon shows, there was a tangible atmosphere with an Ibrox of frustration. And the manager spoke after survey and said, you know, the, the players are frustrated. And, and I get that and that's totally fine. On Saturday... Uh, for me against Livy. And Livy was always going to be a sticky game. Martindale knows how to come. He knows how to to use the Ibrox crowd against the home team. He knows how to set up a, a, a solid shape that, you know, you'll remember under Van Bronckhurst and his, the final throws of his reign as manager. We must have put in about, I think, just shy of 2,000 crosses into the box. Not a single one of them managed to, to, to get in the end of someday. It becomes really agitated. But if you had told me, walking up towards the stadium, we're going to win 4-0. Jack Butland will make a couple of key saves. Um, we're going to get some debut goals. And Rabi Matondo will come on and change the game. I probably would have looked to see what leg you were pulling. <laughs> yeah, no, we're very much sugar or shite, aren't we, as Rangers fans? And the truth is, it's always somewhere in, in the middle. And that's what Saturday was. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't shy at all either. You can't be disappointed with a 4-0 victory at any time, I don't think, regardless of the opposition. And you've you've nailed it with what you said. You know, Livingston don't make it easy for any side. You know, they started with a draw at home to Aberdeen and they were unbeaten in the League Cup as well. So they're coming into the game in good form. And we think Livingston is, you know, really poor side. And they're not a good side at all themselves, but they make it hard. But with that said, Cam, I mean, I think that this is the caveat to it all, is that it's some of the basic stuff that I think that didn't go well for us that fans start to get frustrated with. We don't mind if it's a build-up play and it ends of a a shot or something or a slightly misplaced pass, but it seemed to be we were giving possession away constantly. That's the bit that concerned me watching it on TV. And I think I saw the stats, our passing completion rate was below, at one point it was below 80%. So that tells you how often we were giving the ball away. But it got better and there's a bunch of new players still trying to find their feet. I think as fans though, and it's easy for me to say on the sofa, but for the guys inside the ground, um, you've got to think that we want these new signings to work. We all do. And it's not easy for them if every pass is received with a groan or a cross that goes out or a corner. You know, people are speaking about Tav's corner and it goes out of play. The fact of the matter is, is that it's it's never going to be perfect this early in the season with 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 new players. And we've been notoriously slow starters for as long as I can remember. I don't remember us ever having a brilliant August and September. 
as a Rangers fan, maybe 99-2000, that's about it. So I think we've got to be patient with the new players because they'll be feeling the weight of the shirt as well. Um, but at the same time, they've got to show that they've got something about them to get the fans on side. And I think you see with us, somebody like Dessers is that he looks sluggish and he's not really hit full, uh, full form yet. And it's got to be hard for him as well. So I'm sure Michael Beale is right when he says the players are frustrated, but it's definitely hard for fans both in the ground and watching from home as I was. Well, the manager made a really interesting comment um, when he was discussing that, Andy, where he'd said you could see at moments in the second half where we were in great areas. Is people being unselfish and a bit tippy-tappy and I want them to be more decisive in those moments we were late on. And I think that surmises probably our last 108, 108 minutes worth of football where you could probably see the contrast where against the vet there was that indecision, there was that I'm going to touch the ball here to a guy who doesn't know if I'm going to lay it to him or move or even have the shot. There probably was um, an indecision from certain players as to whether or not to take the shot or to play someone in or whatever. And for for most of us, and I think, listen, you're right, it can be a bit sugar or shite as part of the Rangers support. Of course it is. We're all growing up, so we all kind of know what that's like. But I also heard a lot of common sense from people. We weren't writing players off. We weren't saying that Danilo was terrible, blah, 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 have you. It's a communication and and an understanding, which as much as we would love to do it, you can't skip forward a few chapters to make that happen. It only comes about through playing together, minutes and games, that kind of natural understanding of that of, of where the dynamic play is going to be, who's making what decisions, etc., etc. You can't you can't fast forward to get to that end point. It just has to come through some hard work. And I think that we started to see a lot more of that against um uh, against Livingston and Saturday. Uh and I think for me this is where I wanted it to click. And I heard that a lot uh, after Survey but Livingston, I think it started to click. Now, people are probably listening to this going, what game was he watching? I'm, I'm not saying for a single minute it was a perfect, you know, perfect game and it was 90 minutes worth of free-flowing football. There was periods in it where we were really, really poor. And we'll come on to that in just a second. But what I do want to emphasise is the fact that using some patience, we've been able to see players start to understand where they're moving to, where they want the ball, if they want the ball, if they want to lay you off, it started to move into a really positive direction for me. Yeah, it did. As I said, there was things about the game, and you just said that the the right direction for me is the fact that we didn't concede a stupid goal, right? Okay, we had a, they had a couple of chances, and we made a couple of last gasps uh, challenges or great save at one point from Butland, but we were never in danger, and we we were professional enough to make sure, right? Okay, as the game wore on, they got more tired, and we were able to make clever substitutions. That's not something we've been able to do. There's progress right there. Yeah, there was about. I think the middle hour of the game, it was hard watching at times. Things weren't working, but they, they never stopped trying to do the, the link-up play, tried to hit sort of crisp passes in to feet. Uh, and it just, it, nothing was sticking, nothing was going right. But you could see little partnerships appearing. I think the midfield trio of uh, Raskin, Cifuentes and Cantwell was a real, real plus point. And again, they'll only get better with more minutes together. And again, you, you saw with the, the two centre-backs and the goalkeeper, we have communication now at the back. So there's definitely progress and it is going to be kind of small increments every single week. I think the challenge is, though, is that 
we're not patient and we've had and been starved of success for relatively so long now that we want success now. We want everything to happen now, as you correctly said. It was never, if we were being reasonable, ever going to be that way with a brand new team. And people say, ah, but look at look at that lot last year. Well, it took them until October, I think, to win away from home as well in, in, in Postacoglu's first season, even though they had a brand new team. It didn't click. They had lost a lot of games at the start of that season and it was us who gave it away. So, it is going to take Michael Beale and this new team of players a little bit of time to click, as you said. I really believe that we will. I think it, there'll be a couple of bumps as well in the next in the first couple of months. But once we get going and Michael Beale knows the, the, the first team that he wants to rely on, yeah, there's no doubt it's going to get better. And the players who have been coming in for a bit of stick, unfairly, in my opinion, will start to deliver. And you've already seen four or five new players score the their first goal for the club in only three and only our third game so i think it's moving in the direction cami and, and patience while hard it has to be the way yeah i agree with that totally the manager did make comments around the game itself in terms of he said it was in three parts started well then after the Cifuentes disallowed goal which was a perfectly fair disallowed goal I, no arguments here i think you know he does hit his hand it's i don't like the rule but it's the rule and and, and there we go because i don't think he has his arm outstretched or whatever but you know we accept it we're not like some that want to chastise referees just for the sake of it oh. and then he then went and said you know the decision making and quality wasn't good enough but the subs had a big impact and by the end of the game it was a really convincing win again with some good plays so there's probably parts of the team that I do want to focus on, Andy, just for a second there. You mentioned, uh, obviously, Butland, and I think he does make a, an absolutely brilliant save down towards his left-hand post. I don't want to overlook that because people can sometimes look at, well, it's you know Rangers 4, Livingston 0 at Ibrox. The keeper probably could have brought a deck chair. I don't agree with that at all. I think that not only did Butland have to make some good saves, and there were saves he had to make, right? But there was also a point to that where, again, Martindale's philosophy will be that, you know, if you're still in the game, if it's only 1-0 and you're, you know, you get into half time or you're close to the hour mark, you'll still think there's a chance that you can grab something. And we've seen it in, in, in recent games. We know that. We've seen that in recent history. But Butlin not only makes good good saves, but I think vocally he comes out, he makes sure that, he, you know, he's heard. He makes sure that he's a big character within that. I think if you were to show me a Jack Butland now, and I'd never seen Rangers before, I would not say that that guy is a new a new player to that team. He has settled in really, really well, and I was so pleased for him to get a clean sheet as well. Uh, yeah, listen, I think it's a it's a shrewd signing. That save, by the way, is a really high quality save. It's one nil at the time. That goes in, and we're looking at a very different last twenty minutes or so of the game. And, and in fairness, a very different Ibrox as well. Oh, it would have been toxic. I think there was messages in our group that the toxicity levels were increasing as as the score remained at one 0 Could you imagine it goes to one 0 It's a very different game. I'm not sure we come out of that with the win when it gets to one 0 uh, because of the nature of the crowd. However, he and, makes that, and the, that's and that's why I mention it. That's fine yeah. margins, right? You know. Yeah, exactly. It's a fine mark. And that's what a Rangers goalkeeper is going to have to do in 75-80% of the league games they play. When you're not going to be in the game so much, you have to communicate. We're going to be facing the opposition's goal more often than not. And you've got this kind of sweeper-type keeper role now that you see more and more. And that Butlin gives that. And uh, he, when called upon, he made an absolutely first-class save. So, yeah, it's, it's going to replace McGregor was never going to be easy. But I think we've, between Butland and Robbie McCrory now is the number two, I think we've got two really, really solid keepers there. Butlin has a lot of experience. And none of the goals that we've conceded so far can be attributed to him. 
the either the one at Kilmarnock, which was uh, just a defensive howler, really, from, from Suter slipping and whatever else. And then the penalty was bad luck from Dessers against um, Servette. Other than that, I don't think Butland has... He's not put a foot wrong and he's made some very, very, very good saves in, in all three games. So I, I totally agree with you. I'm really happy so far with that signing. Long may that continue. Well, Rangers opened the deadlock with a, a, a really well-worked goal. Um, great work by Todd Cantwell. Um, Lean off to... Uh, allow uh, Sam Lammers to be able to, to uh, open up the open up the scoring. We mentioned already that Sifuentes disallowed goal, and that was pretty much all of the action for the first half. When uh, we talked about the kind of subs making that impact, um, Lammers goes off of Rabbi Matondo, Cyril Dessers, who I think it's interesting, Andy. I think that there's there's a couple of things with this. I don't think he's fully fit. I think we've seen he's a few weeks behind the group. That's fine. Getting them into games will help that. It will speed that along a little bit. But there was a couple of times, and again, don't know if you caught this on TV, but there was a couple of runs that he made and he was losing the ball and he probably could have committed or worked a little bit harder to be able to try and get it back. Likely is not, it's because, you know, he was out of puff. He hadn't been having anywhere near the best game. But there was something that was quite interesting where I think that he's going to have to learn pretty quickly that if he's going to... And I'm not going to say drop his work rate because that's unfair. But if he's not going to commit to challenges or work to get the ball back if he's lost it or, you know, really make that extra effort, trust me, our fans will not like it. If it's anything that we like and we've always got appreciation for, it's a grafter. And I think that Dessers is going to have to realise that, you know, that's going to have to be part of his role here. He's not going to have all his own way at times. And again... Didn't have the best of games. I've not lost faith in him. I don't think, you know, it's 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 not worked. He will get up to it. But one thing he has to make sure of is that he's willing to, to, to put it on the line. Uh, definitely. I think as well, one of the reasons that uh, Morelos was given so much leeway in the final couple of seasons was because the what he'd managed to do in the first few seasons in that role, and that was constantly work and bully opposition defenders. And it was wonderful to watch because he'd create stuff for himself out of nothing. And uh, maybe a few Rangers fans are like, well, you know, we ha- we've got to replace that um, because the Alfie of the last 18 months or so certainly wasn't what it was prior to that. And we need that sort of number nine player to be really, really strong. Somebody that is going to do that running, do the doggy work and chase chase down lost causes, bully defenders, get stuck in. That's what Rangers number nine is all about. It doesn't matter who you are. But you've got to, I think, take that into consideration that, again, it's it's a system. It's a new system. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what, what you think. I'm keen to hear, Cami. I'm not sure that Danilo and Dessers together will be the the formation all the time that will be used. I mean, it might work in some games, but there'll be other games. I mean, you saw the difference with Danilo when he was playing through that uh, middle on, you know, by himself and he had the two wide players in Matondo and, and Sima. Like, it, it did give us more dynamism. So perhaps there there's times that Dessers will fit better into that role as well. When there's a pairing there, it didn't seem to always work, um, I felt. So I think it's, it's harsh for us to 
to cons- you know sort of solely lay that on on Dessers perhaps because he didn't chase down a couple of balls because he was at a puff. I think you know there was a system there where he maybe made some good runs and we didn't find him, or as you said, we're still working on his match fitness. There's, there's just so much more to come from a guy like that, and um, he will score goals. He will deliver, I think, important performances uh, against better opposition as well. And I just wonder, I don't know, as I said, I'm keen to know what you think, if, if Michael Beale sees both him and Danilo playing all the time as a front two, or if you think that he'll have to go with a more pacey player to kind of support a, a more dynamic style of play. Um, I think it's an interesting point because, again, if, if I was playing a bit of uh, devil's dick advocate, I'd be saying to myself, well, at the same point, Danilo and Dessers worked for the Dessers goal against Servette because Danilo runs towards the near post Dessers at the back and that's obviously how he scores it. So I think it's difficult because, and don't get me wrong, I think it's a great headache for the manager to have because wow. in actual fact, you've got different options now uh, dependent on your opposition. So I think sometimes you'll need to use probably slightly more um, football and acumen, predatory instinct, something like that. Um, or you'll need pace you'll need to be able to try and break them down. You maybe need to hit in the counter. Um, and I think that, you know, again, as you just mentioned there about Alfredo Morelos, there was plenty of times long enough where we just felt we had, you know, a, a, a consistently inconsistent series of options, which was Kent, Sakala, Morelos. Like, that was pretty much about it. We didn't really get much more out the back of that. Matondo got a bit of a look in, then he was then removed from that dynamic. And now we've got guys that... I think could offer something different, but you know, it will. And again, coming back to that, it's going to take that time for it to bed in and for those players to be able to try and understand it. I think we saw it in the preseason friendlies a little bit more with the midfield that there was that kind of encroachment into each other's playing areas. Again, you need to know if your man's going to drop, if he's going to go, if he's going to, you know, expect a ball to feet, if he's going to expect it in front of him. The forwards need the same. They need to understand what their movement will be like. And I think you probably saw about that because what I would also say to you coming on to Danilo and the second goal, the biggest compliment I can pay Danilo is that his goal for me, Andy, very reminiscent of a Jermaine Defoe, lovely glancing header, takes it away from the keeper down towards the ground, makes it a very, very difficult save to make and doesn't look like a guy who looked like he was scrambling against Servette. I thought um, this goal was just lovely, and it starts to show you where that that footballing brain comes into. I think that that this is a big reason as to why Michael Beale was so keen in bringing him in. Uh, listen, it, it, a lot of his touches are high quality. You can see from his positional sense and what he was looking to do, and the goal you as you mentioned, lovely header, very cushioned, his getting in between the two defenders and just positioning himself. Great ball in as well by Borna, by the way, not taking anything away from that as well. It was a lovely goal, and that's what you want. I'm hoping we all are that we'll get so much of that from Danilo. Um, this season and, and and going forward, I don't mind if it's him or Dessas as long as as long as whoever is playing that role is scoring goals. And if it is both of them, then great. It's just the thing for me, Cam, is that I always feel, especially at Ibrox, that we we need pace um, and uh, we need to run at defenders. We get, we seem to get the ball and counter attack quite a lot, but not with enough crispness and uh, and slick play. And it seemed to sort of slow down and break up around about the. 
I don't know, around the, not not quite the penalty box, but just before the opposition penalty box, that kind of area, sort of two three passes, and then it would it would stop. Um, and I think you know that's maybe why there's a need to have in certain games one of the pacier players, whether it's Matondo or Sima, or perhaps Danilo can do that and run the channels, but then maybe you're taking it away from him playing in the centre role. So it is interesting. It is. It's great to have options, and it's going to take. Beal a while before he finds out exactly what works best and if it means that when you play one of Danilo or Dessers or both of them in certain games then great and there'll be a time I don't think very far from now where we give a team uh, an absolute hiding from start to finish of a match simply based on the, the fact that we've got quality players and when they click it'll click very very nice but until then it may well be that we have games where we do score one and then or not even score at all and then have a late flurry because we have options to bring on against higher defences and that's what happened at the weekend so it may well be that a few weeks we just have to be patient we'll get some victories it might not always be pretty but it's about getting the wins and if we got guys like Danilo who have the quality to to do damage to opposition defences that's something we haven't had like you said since Defoe somebody as clinical as I think it's a great comparison the type of finish was very reminiscent of that and Hopefully, much, much more to come. Hopefully, hopefully. A couple of minutes after that, Danilo goal, Andy. Um, our midfield pretty much goes off. Todd Cantwell, uh, Jose Chafentes, uh, Nicola Raskin all go off. Uh, Dowell, Sterling and Lundstrom. I'll talk, obviously, a bit about uh, Kieran Dowell in just a, just a moment. Thinking about those three guys, I think it was quite interesting um, because I was petrified that we were going to see uh, John Lundstrom return. Um, back into that midfield. I thought Sifuentes looked good when he came on against Servet. I didn't, obviously he has been playing in the MLS, so I wasn't necessarily concerned about fitness, but it would have been an interesting game to bring in with. Todd Cantwell um, obviously goes off at this point. Cantwell was dead in his feet and the manager told us afterwards that he was carrying a bit of a knock. He asked to play, um, but obviously that injury and the amount of running that he did, because he was non-stop, uh, against Livingston had taken its toll and he obviously had to go off. Raskin, I thought, looked okay at times. Other times, I think he, it, it, it just looked a little bit much for him at times. But on Sifuentes and Cantwell, Sifuentes for me, Andy, I'm just... I, I think that this guy is going to prove to be a very, very shrewd acquisition. But you can see someone now who wants to be able to get that play positively with the ball, not do that thing, which I think people have got really frustrated about with Lundstrom, where the sections of the game where he's, he's he's invisible, where he sometimes gets the ball and his first immediate thought is to play it back. The way Sifuentes, I thought, was positive. I thought he's productive in the ball. Todd Cantwell, I mean, I, I just don't know what more praise I can give this guy. I cannot explain the chasm that we have when Todd Cantwell doesn't play for us. Um, I do want to game manage him to the point that I want to make sure that he doesn't injure himself because I always have hearts like a heart and mouth moment whenever I see Cantwell because sometimes he just straight stretches a little bit too far or just sticks his foot in and I don't know how liable he leaves himself out for a strain or a knock or whatever. Um, but again, like you say, from that midfield, I thought it did very, very well. It was needing change, however, and I think the manager has to take credit for making the change when he did. Definitely. I, I agree with you, Sifuentes. I thought it was a, a huge plus. Uh, and and the, the formation that you mentioned as well is very interesting because we like you, you talk about Lundstrom. I think when you have Lundstrom and Jack, Lundstrom, Kamara, uh, for example, any two of those three, or, or and Davis when he's played there, it's been almost like having two number sixes, really. That, yeah, it's, it, it's overkill. 
is overkill, and there's no need to do it. If it, it feels now that you've got a six and eight and a ten, really, with Rask and Cifuentes and Cantwell, but all three of them are thinking positively. They all think about how we can turn the ball over and turn defence into attack, which is exactly what modern football is about from a midfield perspective. There's no backward passes unless, of course, it's absolutely necessary when they've got two or three people around them. But the thought there you can see is to try to make something happen and to change the transition of play. It's very important that that is how I think that the Rangers set up um, I really don't want to see Lundstrom and Jack starting games in, in Scottish football. I think they're useful to bring on, uh, perhaps when we need a bit of, of, of dig in midfield or if we're holding on to a lead away from home. I get there's going to be times in Europe, perhaps, when they'll play. But in that kind of game, there's no need at all to have even, I would say, one defensive midfielder. And I don't think any of the three that started are. Even Raskin, who played the, the deepest of the three, is still very much a recycle play, get it turned over, move things forward. And that's what I want to see going forward. As for the subs, he got it right. He got it spot on. They were timed well. And uh, as a result, we were able to turn a one-goal lead into a four-goal lead uh, with all the subs that were made at those set times. So, yeah, credit to Michael Beale there. And uh, these are not bad options. I don't think we've seen even a glimpse of what Kieran Dull can do other than what he did do, which was absolutely brilliant, which we'll come on to. But we've not seen much from him in terms of minutes. He's kind of quietly gone about his, his job. And I think he's going to be maybe a little kind of unearthed gem as the season goes on because we're kind of looking at other players further up the field. Uh, double could be quite important to us, I believe. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with that totally. And I think, you know, again, on that point, it's interesting when we talk about having that holding midfielder because, and we will come on to it in just a minute because I do want to talk to you about who I believe is man in the match, but I don't know how much he trusts that defence at the moment. But again... I think that you mentioned Barisic before. I thought Barisic was was really good. Um, Suter and, and, and Balogun as a pairing, uh, I think probably raised eyebrows, but I think it worked really well. Tav, Tav needs a rest, I think. And I'm wondering if that's part of the manager's thinking when he when he looks at uh, if he can play that holding midfielder in there just to be able to do maybe just a little bit of kind of sit and protection. We did um, we did finish up the game uh, say scoring uh, the Abdullah Sima goal to make it 3-0 a couple of minutes after. And listen, I, I you know, we simply cannot not talk about this. I think it was one of the goals of the weekend, if I'm being honest, across the UK. A lovely back heel by Kieran Dowell to be able to release Rabi Matondo. Matondo bursts his lungs to be able to try and get forward plays a very, very um, well-timed, well-executed and well-placed ball back to Dowell to be able to finish in beautifully. Um, the manager disgracefully gave Dowell a little bit of stick saying he wasn't sure how much he meant <laughs> the through ball at the beginning of the move. I'm, I'm going on, he meant it. It, it came off for him beautifully. Um, a fantastic goal and... Um, you know, again, I don't want to say that it was a perfect 90 minutes worth of football. I'm not saying that at all. But if we can be that threatening, Andy, in the last 10 minutes, I think that's a very, very potent weapon that we could have at our disposal. Exactly, of course. Listen, what do, what do we want? Like 4-0 is 4-0. It doesn't matter whether you're 3-0 up at halftime and score a one goal late on or 1-0 up at halftime and score three goals late on. Uh, 4-0 is 4-0 and it's a, it's a great result. Clean sheet, four different goal scorers and a couple of 
you know, great goals, particularly the one you just described. It was wonderful. Uh, it truly was a, 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 I mean, it's as good a goal as you, well, you hope we see many more like it, but it's certainly as good as goals we've seen for some time. And uh, I think Dull meant it. And certainly the, the finish was an absolute beaut. Yeah, like the, the subs were good. Just very quickly to what you were saying about the, the other players, the defence. Uh, Suter was, I thought, the best player in the park uh, for me. I agree with you. Balogun also had a great game. Uh, Barisic was fine. Uh, big concerns, I think, with Tav is, is he, I don't know, you, you say he needs a rest, but we're three games into the new season. Are we now at a stage with Tav where he can't play three games in a week? Maybe so. Uh, maybe it's finally catching up with him. It's something that we might have to, to look at. And we've got Dujon Sterling, perhaps, that can come in. I would certainly expect Sterling to, to play against Morton uh, and, and, and allow to have a breather there and maybe one or two other games. Um, it is a concern because he did look miles off at, at times. In the past, we've allowed to have, I would say, I'm not going to say terrible defending, but at times... Below par defending because I see I think he's improved defensively as he's as he's been at the club over the years, but we've allowed you know to kind of disregard that because what he gives us going forward has been out of this world and, and numbers add that you know you know we relied on him probably too heavily for that. It's just that now it's um, we have got lots of other options for goals, and while he can still take set pieces, he now has to contribute uh, to the to the game in the in, in the way you would expect a, a wing back to do so. And there were times that the against Servette and again against Livingston at the weekend where he got turned and he was he was left left for dust and I don't I don't think we can afford that when we come up against high high quality opposition who will get balls in and and, and we'll lose goals from that so it is a bit of concern hopefully it is just a, a little bit of rustiness and that he's not at peak fitness yet but there is that concern that. The years have caught up with him a little bit and he has declined physically somewhat uh, and he might need to be managed. It's just something that Michael Beale will have to consider. But I'm certainly not going to make that judgment after three games of the new season. But definitely agree with you that uh, I would maybe rest him where, where we can in the opening months until he's until he's maybe back to 100%. Yeah, I mean, I've got no doubt about that. But, I mean, again, I wouldn't have him play against Greenwich Morton on Saturday, for example, because no. I don't think we need him. However... My concern is that he'll still play. And we've seen that before with him, especially, in, uh, you know, with all due respect to those teams, but lower league cup teams that we've played, he's played and he hasn't had to. And I think that there is definitely, and I understand it because he obviously sets such high standards for himself. It's impossible for any player to stay at that standard, right? It's just simply not going to happen. But I would rather have a James Tavernier that I know can go forward with energy and confidence as long as he's got sufficient, you know, I suppose sufficient levels within him, rather than one that we're, we're relying on constantly. Because I think you're right. I think that what we've now had to see, and we have become over reliant on him over the years. We have. There's absolutely just no doubt about it. Um, other players have had to pick up some of that workload, and if those guys coming in, and if the, the way how the team shape potentially could set up, depending on what we do, uh, as you say beforehand with with midfield and forwards, then it could be interesting to see as to whether or not Tav can take his foot off the gas a little bit, just allow himself to be able to try and deliver more consistency. Because he's one of those players who just really feels it when he's not playing well. And I totally get it. I understand yeah. that. But, you know. 
it's also confidence for the other players. Why bring in a guy like Dujon Sterling if you won't play him um, in games where you, you should be able to play him? I mean, I think Morton at home is a perfect game for that. In the past, we've not had anybody really to, to do that. You know, you, you think of guys like Flanagan and Matt Polster and Lee Hodds. There was never a backup right back good enough. But, you know, I think since Nathan Patterson, we have had some decent options that can come in and do that. So, and, and Dujon Sterling, by all accounts, should be one of them. So I, I'd certainly like to see that change made for as much as anything else, Cam, is that we know what Tav can do and what he can't do. But I'd like to see what Sterling can do as well, um, because Sterling's the future. Tav is, is certainly the the, the the, the sort of past and the present, but uh, the, we, we eventually at some point we're going to have to move on past them. So let's let's see what uh, Sterling can do in that game. But yeah, it's uh, it's so early in the season. Lots of things still to happen. Lots of, of you know full physical de- developments in terms of peak fitness and whatnot will still c- come as the as time goes on and more games we play. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, like you say, it's not an overwhelming criticism of Tavernier. I think it's just because. Um, you know, we all love him. We want him to be able to, no, to, no. to, to, to deliver what we know that he can deliver. And ultimately, in my opinion, he's in the Hall of Fame for, for very good reason. And, and, you know, he's always going to be in a special play in all, a place in all of our hearts. So we just want to be able to try and see what we can do with, and how we can get the best out of him and he, how he can get the best football for it. I agree. One, um, one person I do want to talk about specifically, Andy, is John Suter. I thought John Suter was absolutely tremendous. Um, on a, on Saturday, you mentioned um, at the top of the show that there was uh, times where we had to make uh, very very important blocks, and there's one in particular that comes from John Suter, which I thought was absolutely tremendous. And again, we talk about those fine margins. Suter just you know as 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 you know, participated within that. Um, where I live, I live you know in the outskirts of Edinburgh and West Lothian. I I know a lot of Hearts fans, and they were very very angry and disappointed that John Suter left Hearts to join Rangers and I don't believe that that happens if you're talking about a bad player I'm beginning to see now why they were getting so angry because Suter for me has really come in I think he's solidified his his, his berth uh, in, in, as part of a centre-back pairing but for me um, just really really positive with the ball he wants to be able to continue to commit he wants to, to move forward as best he possibly can. Um, just, uh, again, like you say, uh, he, he was in a, in a series of good performances and a series of great performances across the board on Saturday. I thought John Suter was man of the match. Oh, definitely man of the match for me. Uh, it's, it, this is really his first season when we think about it. Last season was basically a write-off. The last month or so was almost like a pre-season for this season for him and it seems to have worked out well so far fingers crossed he stays healthy he stays clear of of the recurring injuries there is no doubts he's a quality player he'll be in and around the Scotland squad I'm pretty sure as well with upcoming qualifiers not that I care about Scotland at all but it's good for Suter and, and good for the profile of of of, of the club when we have international players and it shows the level that he's at he's going to be very important for us we know that centre-back is a position that last year we badly, badly struggled with. When Goldson isn't there, there's a, a real instability about the back about the back line. And I think Suter, uh, whether Goldson is there or not, can bring much more stability there. So if, if Goldson's fit and the two of them are there, then fantastic. If he's not and somebody like uh, Leon Balligan or Leon King come in, then I'm very comfortable 
that John Sutter knows what he's doing there. And you're right, he, it's not just his defensive capabilities. And that was a, a brilliant last gas challenge that, that kept us ahead at a crucial moment, similar to Butland's save. It's also the fact that he's willing to drive and take the ball out of defence. And that's a commodity in modern football. It's something that we don't see too often with Rangers centre-backs over the years. But now that's what modern teams do. You've got your, your full-backs and your centre-backs that can play. And they can bring the ball out and turn defence into attack. And Suter was able to do that the other night. He was able to do it the weekend. And yeah, like, listen, long may this, conti- long may this continue. I'm, I'm always a big fan of taking the best players from other Scottish teams uh, because they understand the league and the, you know exactly what you'll get from them. Uh, and we seem to, to have, I think, done this with Suter, who's you know, certainly one of the best Scottish centre-backs around. And I'm, I'm very grateful that he's that he's with us now. So, yeah, fingers crossed he's, he's, he's fitting and firing all season and uh, he could go in and have a really, really, really good campaign. We look forward, Andy, to tomorrow night's game um, across in Switzerland against Servette. Um, I think it's, it's a tie that's definitely taken on a different shape for reasons well covered. Um, we, we, we should have done better against them, against the 10 men for the business end of about 40 minutes. Um, and we obviously know there will be some returning players. It's interesting because we could make we could have made this game a lot easier ourselves. We know that's not the Rangers way. Uh, we like to do it the hard way. Um, but I, I'm still confident that we will be able to, to uh, get the... the, the fixture over the line and progress through to the next round. It's an interesting one because I've heard people say, well, you know, obviously we've seen PSV, they've they've done very well. They're a much different team to the one that we played recently. And um, I think that particular tie is going to be difficult if we get through against Servette, but we can only play the game that's in front of us. And I think that we have to have the focus on uh, getting the job done tomorrow night. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I do think it's, it's very achievable. Yeah, listen, we've not got a great record uh, against Swiss teams. In fact, we've never actually won in Switzerland. I was doing my my research before, um, and um, we've never won, as I said, over there. Uh, And it's been the last time we got through over two legs was against Young Boys back in 1977. So a few wrongs to right there, uh, but that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be good enough. In fact, I think we are more than capable of, of getting a result over there. I'd like to see us go and win the game. We don't need to. A draw would be fine. I think we've we've got enough quality. I definitely would be aware of Servette's counter-attack and they had a couple of really quick players, Kami, that Ibrox showed that if you fall asleep, you know, they can get in behind and cause cause a bit of damage. But with that said, we, we kept them at bay and it was a penalty and a very unlucky penalty that, that got them their goal. So I don't fear them at all. We should be better than this team. Uh, not to underestimate them, but I, I'd like to think that we could go and, and, and get a result. But of course, anything that sees us through would be uh, good enough. And then on to what looks like a, a far more difficult tie against PSV. But uh, I think we'll do it. I, I don't think it'll be incredibly pretty, but I really don't mind as long as we're through. No, listen, I'm the same. I think, I think the, as much as we say it because of you know what we've been. Uh, you know, witnessing recently, but one of the things I think is in our favour is a really great performance on Saturday, obviously, but it isn't looking like a million miles away from us in terms of being able to try and get a result over there. I hope, as you've rightly said, we do break our duck against uh, Swiss teams. Um, really important for us to be able to try and um, make a good account of ourselves. Again, like you say, if we get through, 
PSV will be a different kettle of fish. But listen, as I say, we just need to focus on what we can do in the meantime. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, Andy. I think um, it's a good test for us. These these players coming into into Rangers and, and, and settling into the club and understanding the expectations and the weight of that shirt that you mentioned earlier on. These games, you know, they won't wait for them. They will come thick and fast. But if you want to be a successful club, you need to be able to have a, a heavy-duty fixture list even this early on in the season. We've been here before. I think we go and make a good account of ourselves and hopefully we try and make it as, as easy as we possibly can. Yeah, and, and you know something else? This, it's time for certain players to announce themselves and for this Rangers team to announce themselves. They don't have the pressure of the Ibrox crowd on their back, uh, which, as we've seen before, can make a difference. It, we, it should be our biggest weapon, but sometimes it can be a, a real enemy of the of the Rangers players because it's it's a hard crowd to please. But they won't have that in Switzerland. They have a brilliant travelling support, as you know, the European away crowds are always terrific. And if they go and they've got an opportunity to to counter attack and play the way that we think Michael Beale wants them to play, they could have a very very good evening, and that will be a chance for certain players to to really feel. They're they're bedded in and they've got a chance to to make an impression and I think some of them might prefer the European stage where they might not have the same amount of the ball as what what you get against Livingston and Kilmarnock that might suit some of the players you might see somebody like Sam Lammers uh, pop up with key moments and have more link up play you might see the likes of Seymour Matondo playing getting behind and cause damage. And once we get into that kind of flow uh, and the, the travelling fans are, are having a, a party, as they always do when we, when we go abroad, then it will be a very different environment for the players to, to thrive in, I think. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that they do that. And it's, um, but as I said at the very start, it's just simply about getting through at this stage, you know, getting pad, no matter how we do it, a draw or a win, whatever works gets us through. But it would be nice to see, I think, this team um, uh, reveal itself a little bit and, and there's a big chance to do it. Yeah, I think so. If you'd like to uh, get involved with some of the build-up of that game, why not jump over to our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where for only a couple of quid a month, you can get up to five shows a day. We do preview shows in the build-up to all games. They're really in-depth. They're really detailed. We'll also have all of the post-match pods as well to be able to discuss how we think the game is going. Um, if you want to come over there, we would love to have you in a fantastic community that we've built up. And this is our seventh season been able to try and cover the teddy bears with some interesting lows but more importantly some highs and it's given me a great opportunity to be able to meet fantastic people like my good friend andy barnett andy thank you so much for joining me this week thank you very much for having me on the show to all the traveling fans travel safe and, and get us that victory over there have a good time yeah could you see if only you bring me back a toblerone or something <laughs> i do actually enjoy a good toblerone but well... <laughs> it's one of those things see when you put it in the fridge you're going to need a chainsaw to cut that and like apart once it's it's properly solid, Jimmy. I've heard it once being described as the most dangerous chocolate in the world, and not because of its health, uh, <laughs> because because when you, it's so hard to bite. Can I tell you? I actually I've been to Switzerland once. It wasn't Geneva. It was Zurich, and um, it's about four or five years ago. And I went to the the Lint and Sprungli factory. So obviously, um, any of you that have had that Lindor ch- chocolate stuff, you know those incredible. You need a really sweet tooth to enjoy it. And I'm telling you, Cam, I've still got a sore stomach. I'm sure it's still <laughs> clinging to my ribs for five years later. But uh, yeah, and, and certainly the chocolate levels are uh, of, of probably what I think one of the one of the best in the world, perhaps if not the best. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, exactly as you say, Andy, for anyone listening and you're heading over, um, have a brilliant trip, stay safe, uh, bring us back qualification into the next tie. We're really looking forward to being able to try and see what this Rangers team can do tomorrow night. I will be back with you on Thursday uh, with our extra show, reviewing the Servette game and looking forward to Saturday's visit at Green Morton to Ibrox as well. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. My thanks to our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, and we will speak to you all again soon. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.